get online uh, this week and register and let us know you're coming, and we'll be together next week. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I also want to remind you guys that, that, you know, during this time, even though it's been hard and it's summertime anyway, and we've all been sort of scattered, um, and then in light of everything else that's gone on, um, it can feel like nothing normal is happening, um, that life has just sort of hit a dead end and nothing is going on. Because um, that's what a lot of our lives look like right now. And I just want to remind you that we have done our best. Our, our church leadership, um, our elders, our staff, we have done our very best um, to help ministry, to, to um, forward and promote ministry, to do ministry as much as we can um, during this time. And I want to remind you um, what some of those things are. We've been out with um, Friends of North Richmond um, really, all summer long, we, we, um, throughout the entire month of June, the very beginning of July, um, we were staffing an entire day um, worth of shifts for them out at Friends of North Richmond. We've done two food drives, kids' packs, um, hygiene packs. There may be some other things. There probably will be some other things we'll do with them. Um, but that's some of the stuff, the ministry we've been doing during this time. And then we had two, during this time, we had two plumbing projects that had to be done. Well, I know that sounds crazy, but there was a, a person in our community who uh, um, had run into some hard times really since Harvey and had not been able to get their home repaired. And uh, we were able to step in and partner again with Friends of North Richmond and another local church and um, see that lady's uh, and her family, their plumbing get fixed. And then there was a church member um, who one of our life groups kind of got wind of it, and they stepped in, and we were able to step in beside them and help a family in our church get running water for the first time, I think, in about three or four months, maybe longer. Um, so that was great. So there's things that we've been doing during this time. We've been our, uh, done our best to just be faithful, and I want to encourage you guys, um, wherever you're at, to be faithful with us, to give, to participate when you can, um, and ministry still goes on. Um, there's still not only needs, there's opportunities for us to minister during this time. So I want to remind you about that, okay, and celebrate some of what God's been doing here. So Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we'll be in verses 17 through 19. We're going to take another look at, at Abraham. Uh, Pastor Jared did this a couple of weeks ago in some earlier verses, and we pop back into uh, Abraham again. It's easy um, during a time like this, tempting during a time like this, to look around and just see the chaos, you know, um, how everything in our world is, is sort of upside down and backwards right now. Um, and to confuse sort of, to confuse faith in God um, with faith in our country or faith in our culture um, or faith in our traditions. And as those things fall apart, it's easy for our faith in God to kind of go down with them because we've so tightly associated, so closely associated faith in our institutions in this country, I think, with faith in God, when those things begin to fall apart, it's very easy for our faith in God to also begin to wax and wane and to fall apart and for us to lose trust in Him. And I want to remind us that the book of Hebrews is a warning specifically against that. Uh, the book of Hebrews is a warning to stay faithful, to not fall away from discipleship or following Christ, proactively following Jesus, submitting daily to the work of Christ, what he's doing in you and around you and through you. It's a warning to not stop believing, to keep on living like God is true and that he will keep his promises. So how are you tempted today to live like everything's falling apart and there is no hope, which I do think I've heard Christians sort of give voice to in the last two or three or four weeks. 
the beginning, the first six weeks or eight weeks, we were kind of strong. And then as everything sort of popped back down again, we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Where's God? He's not on his throne. You know, this is not going to work anymore. Where are you tempted right now to kind of give up? How can you align your life today with God's promises? We talked about that some last week. We'll continue to kind of talk about that this week. That God is true to what he has said, and our job is to live faithfully according to what he has said and to align our lives to line up with his promises. That's faith. So that's what we're going to be looking at again today. And remember this warning all throughout the book of Hebrews that we would not fall away in our faith. So we're going to talk about Abraham, and we need to first probably remind ourselves about the promises that Abraham's been given. Um, that in the Old Testament, God gave him really two main promises, and then he would expound on that. God would build those things out. But really, there were two main promises that God gave him. One was a promise about land, a homeland, a country that would be his own. God promised him that. Secondly, there was a promise about seed, about his children, specifically about a child. And then there was a larger promise about his descendants being so many, like the sea or the, the, the sand on the sea and the stars in the heaven, right? So those are the two big promises that God has given Abraham. The, the word that he spoke that Abraham was trusting in. Okay? Now that land, the land promise was fulfilled in Canaan. Not necessarily for Abraham specifically, but very shortly after Abraham was gone, in relative sense, God would begin to fulfill this promise for him, and he gives him Canaan. And then there's a future, still uh, as yet unrealized promise about a land for his people. And then there's a future, future promise about a land for his people in heaven. So this is almost like a threefold promise that we see un unraveling or, or coming uh, to be um, for Abraham. All of these things are pointing him to heaven. The promise about the land is pointing him to heaven. And we've got to be careful, just like him, just like Abraham and his descendants and the Jews today even, and Christians today, we have to be careful that we don't get duped into thinking that God's promises are about this place. That God's promises are about now, that we were going to see it. We're going to see all of God's promises come to be in our lifetime. No, we have to share in our Savior's work. We have to share in what Jesus has done, which is to bring salvation and righteousness to a place that does not seek him, to a place that does not want him or treasure him. We are strangers and aliens in this land. And we cannot adopt this place as home. And at the same time, we can't neglect our responsibility and the fact that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world in a dark time and in a dark place, but this is not home. This is not the promise that God has given us. So we see the land promise. Then secondly, we see uh, a people promise. And, and God ends up saying, you know, you're going to have as many descendants as the sand and the stars. And then there's the people of, of, of Israel, the Jews, that are born out of that. I'm not going to read it, but Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, says that we are children of Abraham if we follow him in faith. That all of us who follow God and, and, and exhibit faith in God's promises the way that Abraham did, we are Abraham's children. So God is still fulfilling his promises to Abraham in his children, the people who would follow him and be the, the seed of Abraham. And that's fulfilled in us. And I really want to 
sort of stop here maybe and, and emphasize this last one. Do we really understand that, that this is the great divide? You're either in or you're out. You trust in Christ by faith like Abraham did, or you're on the outside, you're not God's people. There is no middle ground. There's not like people who don't trust in God, church people, and then Abraham's children. There's Abraham's children who, just like Abraham, follow God in faith, and in specifically the person of Jesus Christ, and everybody else. Those who are outside of the people of faith. And you are ultimately either a stranger, an alien here, and you go home to be with God, or you're home here, and eternally you're a stranger with God. You see how that works? These are the choices that we have to make. This is what we have to decide. Will I be a child of Abraham, following God, trusting in Jesus Christ by faith like Abraham did? Or will I be forever a stranger to God for eternity? These are the two promises. Land and seed. Land and people that Abraham was given. So I just want to remind you about that as we dig into this text today, okay? Because he's going to refer to it without really telling us those promises. So Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants will be called. He considered, Abraham considered, that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type so, man, this is one of those little three-verse three sections in Hebrews where you're like, what? You know, like, he not only tells you this story, he, he encapsulate, encapsulates like a chapter of the Old Testament in three verses. Then he expounds on it, and you're like, what are you talking about, you know, in just these three little verses? So let's pick it apart just a little bit. One of the things, the consistent things that we see in these people in Hebrews, all these examples that were given in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the consistent things that we see in these people is that they receive God's word and they obey it. That they receive the word of God and they obey it. So faith is submitting to God's words. Faith is living like God has spoken and he is telling the truth. Tony Evans said that. I didn't say that. Pastor Jared quoted him. I'm quoting Pastor Jared. Okay, It's a great quote. I wish I did write it because it's fantastic. Faith is living like God has spoken and he is telling the truth. What is faith not? I want to talk about that just a little bit because that's a word that has been co-opted by some people within the Christian uh, arena and doesn't mean the same thing to everybody anymore. So let's talk about that. What is faith not? Faith is not self-talk. I will prove this to God. I will show God what faith looks like. I will prove to him that I can muster up faith. That is not faith. What else is faith not? Faith is not faith talk. I will bring this into reality and I will make it happen. Matter of fact, what I would point you to, I would really make a scriptural argument just from this verse. If that is what faith is, that I will make this happen don't we see that in the story of Abraham, where God promises him a child, and they're like, this is impossible, so what does he do? I'll make this happen. He gets Hagar, gets her pregnant, has Ishmael. We're still fighting the battles from that today. Faith is not, 
I will speak this into being. I will make this happen, and it will be the Lord's blessing in my life. There are people who are like, well, Pastor Joe, but doesn't God still speak to me today? Does God still speak to me about things in my life and talk to me about things in my life today? So here's what I would say about that. Absolutely God does. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But man, can we not put that concept into some biblical context that the Holy Spirit isn't revealing things to you to the same level that he revealed Scripture? And that when the Holy Spirit helps you understand things, what's his job? To help you remember everything Jesus said and to understand Scripture. That's his job. So as he speaks to you and as he talks to you, it should be something that's coming out, that's growing out of Scripture, that's growing out of the Word. It's not over and above Scripture. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who know the Word to, the, to a degree. They trust the Word. They want to live the Word. Then they come to me with some Word that they've gotten from the Lord that somehow it supersedes what's in Scripture. And it's even contradictory to what's in Scripture. But they're faithing that more than they're faithing this. Faith is receiving the word of God and submitting to it, lining up our lives behind it. So yes, God speaks, but he speaks primarily through his word. So here's the other place we find ourselves. Many of us are like, oh God, give me a word. Give me a word about my kids. Give me a word about my lust. Give me a word about who I should marry. Give me a word about my gluttony, Lord. Just give me a word and I'll do it. And I think God's like, I did I'm yelling. I've done it. I've, I've already given you a word about all those things and so much more. So here's another challenge for us today. What is it that God is saying you to you today about your fear or your anxiety or things that you feel like you've lost that you'll never get back? God has spoken about those things already. Will you receive them and will you submit to them? This is one of the common things that we see about all these people in Hebrews 11. They receive a word from God and they submit to it. That's a mark of faith. So we get quickly into Isaac. So here's the promise, right? God says you're going to have a child, not just millions of children. I'm going to give you a specific child and it's going to come through Sarah and it's going to be Isaac. And that's where the promise is going to come from. So if God finally gives them Isaac, right? So we got to take a quick look at the person of Isaac in that part of the story. In, in Hebrew, the word Isaac, in English, it's onomatopoeia. Don't you love that word? You know what that word means? Onomatopoeia. It's a word that sounds like what it is, like the word bang. That sounds like what it is, right? In Hebrew, Isaac sounds like what it is. The name Isaac means laughter, now, in, it doesn't work very well in English. We go, Isaac, that doesn't sound like laughter. In Hebrew, it sounds like Yitzhak. Yitzhak. It's a giggle under your breath where you snort a little bit. Yitzhak. His name was Isaac, which means laughter. Now, this is a little bit of a double-edged double sword, isn't it? His name. They called him Laughter. Laughter and joy because God fulfilled his promises. And then the laughter of initial doubt that plagues all of us that can eventually be overcome by faith. But at the beginning, God says something and you go, yeah, right. 
<laughs> That's not going to happen. They named him Laughter. We look back and we see that though we often, we often initially respond with laughter, we can persist in faith and overcome that initial doubt. We shouldn't cancel out those people who are genuinely struggling and then they overcome. Man, that should, if we're honest, that's most of us, is it not? That God would say something to us and maybe it's literally directly out of his word or this principle that pops out of his word and we go, there is no way, God. <laughs> There's no way. We giggle a little bit. And there's no way that's from God, right? And we laugh a little bit. We shouldn't just cancel out those people who genuinely struggle with faith and then they overcome it. We have to be careful that they persist in faith and remember their folly and their laughter. There really aren't any giants of the faith, guys. All there are are weak people who persist in faith even when God says something that seems impossible. That's all there are. There aren't really giants of the faith. They're just people who receive God's word, giggle a little in their spirits and go, okay, and then they submit to it. Faith is not perfection. So many of us hear that. I know growing up in church, I always had that opinion. The only way I'm a faithful person is I'm perfectly faithful all the time. This laughter that we have can easily turn into kind of a hopeless cynicism, kind of a resignation to fate, to fate almost, right? And it's something like this. It sounds like, well, God didn't do it then, and he's probably not going to do it now when I pray for something. But I will follow him without joy or pleasure. I'll trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, and there's nothing I can do about it except keep on getting up day after day. See, that laughter, that initial laughter, there's kind of a faithfulness to it that can happen, but man, it's a joyless faithfulness, isn't it? There's no pleasure in that faith. And it turns into sort of this Christian cynicism that sets in. Sarah hears the promise. She hears the word of God. And she laughs. They confront her about it. God confronts her about it. Abraham confronts her about it. They kind of work through that. She gets pregnant. And then about the time that Isaac is 12 years old, God says, take him and sacrifice him to me. Nobody's laughing now. Abraham and Sarah had to have, can you imagine the conversation At some point, they have to land in this place. Wasn't God faithful to call us out of paganism? Wasn't God faithful when we went to Egypt and ran and lied and tried to do it our way? Wasn't God faithful to us in a famine? Wasn't God faithful to us when Lot was a knucklehead? Wasn't God faithful to us when we fought Abimelech? Wasn't he faithful to us when Sodom and Gomorrah happened? Wasn't he faithful to us when I fought those seven kings? Hasn't God been faithful? Won't he be now? And isn't that what the text says? That they reasoned, they reasoned about this, and they landed in this place. Now, y'all, listen, this is like in the first 20 chapters of, of, of Genesis. They don't have the rest of it. Abraham reasons in his heart, if, if Isaac is the one, God will raise him from the dead. Nobody's seen resurrections at that point. 
They reason in their mind, God has been faithful to his word before. If this is his word for us now, he'll be faithful. And he says, it's Isaac. It's got to be Isaac. So if I kill him, God's going to bring him back from the dead. Won't God be faithful to you now? Psalm 147.3, Jeremiah 17.14 says specifically that God will heal the heart of the brokenhearted. That he will mend up a broken heart. God will heal my broken heart. Can you just say that to yourself? Some of us are brokenhearted about things, about losses, about dreams that have not come true, about physical losses. Pastor Jared's not here today. They, they had to, Whitney's grandmother passed away in Tennessee, and they had to drive to Tennessee, and she's brokenhearted about it. Jeremiah, Psalms, other places say, I will heal the brokenhearted. I will mend up the brokenhearted. Shouldn't we then say, God will heal my broken heart? Shouldn't we say that? According to faith, according to God's word. God will heal my broken heart. There are no time periods given in Scripture about when God will do it. No promises about the process or the particulars. But God will heal my broken heart. Then we have to align our lives like he's telling the truth. We have to take action that says, that's true, it's going to happen. I'm going to live my life like that's true. So many other promises that we have to do that with. That's what happens here with Isaac. So another common quality that we see with these people, that we see with all these people in Hebrews 11, is a willingness to take a risk based on the promise of God. They hear the word, they submit to the word, and then they take a risk based on the promises of God. What is God's biggest promise that he's ever made in Scripture? Have you ever thought about that? What is the biggest promise God has ever made? You ready? His biggest promise is that God will redeem people and put them in heaven. And we forget that that's a big deal. And we have no right to stand in front of the Lord. We have no right to be called as children or welcomed into his home. And God's biggest promise since Genesis chapter 3, I will redeem people and I will bring them to me. And they can stand before me and be in my family. That's an amazing promise. What will you and I risk to see God's ultimate big plan promise happen? How are we participating in that now? We can get so myopic and caught up in what we want God to provide for us that we forget that his overall work is for a people that he is building for himself. What are you doing to participate in that? Today, right now, this isn't a hypothetical question for any of us. God has a huge promise that he has bent history to make sure occurs. What are you doing to participate, to risk for the promises of God? For some of you, and maybe you're listening right now, maybe you're in this room, you're one of our younger people in the room right now, or an older couple in the room right now, and God's just going to drop this mission call in your life. He's going to hammer you with it. You need to get up and go. You need to get up and go. There are billions of people, billions alive right now who have never heard the gospel. Get up and go. Maybe that's what he's going to call you to. Just sharing the gospel where you're at. Telling just your personal story. Not being ruled by fear or the yells of the mob. Or ruled by comfort. Or ruled by the majority of people. God doesn't want giants of the faith. He wants Abrahams and Sarahs. People who will fail and falter and laugh. And yet risk big things 
for the impossible promises of God. People who will make choices today with their money and their children and their time and their relationships and impact the kingdom of God forever and bring people to Jesus. What will you risk? And man, what a great, I did not do this on purpose. I really think this grew out of the text. I didn't do it for this time, but what an appropriate, like we're not risking anything anymore. We're not risking going to buy Ritz crackers at the store. So I think this is a very appropriate question right now. What will you risk for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God, for the promises of God to redeem a people unto himself? Life purpose, we have all kinds. Matter of fact, I think this week you're going to start to hear about some of the things we want to do with life's purpose over the next month. Um, and then Christmas will come and we'll get ready for all that stuff. So our mission with life's purpose, we have missionaries in Japan. We have missionaries in Uganda, our children in Uganda, other needs in Uganda, some of the other things that we still want to do there. How can you line up your life today so that the promises of God to save people can happen? Abraham and Sarah risked greatly for the promises of God. A much less promise of God, by the way. What will you and I risk to see the big promises of God come true? Another common thing that we see with all these people, we see it in Abraham, is that they struggle with their faith, don't they? Do we really appreciate what the struggle is here? I have heard this text. I can remember, man, being a kid in church and hearing people talk about this text, and it's an allegory for everything. You should slay the, 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 you know, the baby of lust in your life, and you should slay gluttony in your life. And I'm like, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't think that that's what that text was originally about, right? Do we really understand the struggle that there was a real knife there was real fire. There was a real child. And how hard this absolutely had to be. If we're going to treat this like an actual historical event and not like an Aesop's fable, we have got to try to appreciate this struggle. Can you just imagine? He's in his upper 90s, maybe 100. He's lived his whole life to see this little boy come to be. And he's like, "What? you want me to do What? Not only, God, is this like a personal attack in some ways, this is the child of promise. This is the one that you said. How can you do this? How are we going to pull this off? How are you going to pull this off? I quote my Keller quote for the day. You ready? It's often easier to believe in God than it is to trust him. It's often easier to believe in God than it is to trust him. Belief doesn't please God or change us. Faith does. Trust does. One of the coolest things about all these people in this list is that they are just ordinary people, many of whom are unnamed. We're going to get into this long section later. There's not even any names. They're just ordinary people. They aren't examples because of who they were, but because they heard a word from God. They trusted in that word. They obeyed that word. They risked greatly for the promises of God. That's how they make this list. That's how God wants us to remember them. Are you struggling with trusting God? Listen, join the list. Join the list. 
Read these people's stories in the Old Testament and see their struggles with trusting in God. Are you struggling with trusting God? Man, join the list. Join us. We are a church full of people who believe, but we struggle to trust. We believe God, but we struggle to trust him so many times. We're walking together, and you know what we're doing? We're doing our best to make God proud of us. That we would be people of faith, failures and doubts and all. Abraham was confident in God's promises and God's character. God is, he had to reason at some point or another, he had to kind of land on. God is in full control of death and life and everything that contributes to both, so I will trust him and I will walk with him. That had to be where he landed. After a long struggle. Another unique thing maybe that we see here about Abraham that I think can help us also is that his Abraham, his faith is pointing forward. He had a forward-looking faith. He points to faith in Christ. There's a pattern of something else here. Matter of fact, it uses the word type at the end of verse 19. He receives Isaac back as a type. That's like a foreshadowing, a pattern of something else. So as we see Isaac delivered from death, the, chi- the promised child brought back from the dead effectively, we see that pattern reflected in Jesus Christ, right? Abraham's faith is pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Abraham uh, declares that God himself is going to provide a lamb, and that reminds us that God's gift is the lamb of Jesus to save the world. God provides a ram on Mount Moriah, and that shows us the sacrifice of his only son, that he provides Jesus Christ. The true lamb comes without blemish to die in our place. Like Isaac, Christ is the lamb led to the slaughter. Yet unlike Isaac, Jesus didn't open his mouth, and he dies willingly. Just as Isaac carried his wood, his own wood for the altar, Jesus carries his cross that he's crucified on. Abraham's faith points forward. I think it's in the book of John. I don't remember the chapter or verse, but Jesus is talking about Abraham, and he says specifically, it may be chapter 7 or 8, he says specifically, Abraham saw me. Think about that. Abraham in his faith saw me and believed in me. Behold, I am living proof that Abraham's faith is real and true. He had a forward-looking faith that's not just about here and now. I don't know about you, but from last week, I'm just still really taken with this idea. This idea in verse 16 where it says that God was not ashamed to be called their God. That is such a weighty phrase. Have you ever asked anybody, are you ashamed of me? That's a hard question to ask, isn't it? Are you ashamed of me? That God was not ashamed to be called their God. That's just haunted me all week long. And we're like, well, of course God wasn't ashamed of Abraham. He would sacrifice his son. Some of us are like, I have a teenager, I will do it gladly today. Don't do that, (laughs) right? But some of us are like, man, listen, Of course God's not not ashamed. He he would sacrifice his own son. He was a rock star of faith. What did Abraham do? He believed in God's word. Listen, in his brain he had to be thinking, God is asking me to give up this boy. He has promised me a son and millions of other children. 
if this child dies, God will still be faithful to his promises about Isaac. The only way I can see that happen is if God raises him from the dead. I trust him. I will line up my life and act on God's word because God is telling the truth to me. A 100-year-old man walked with his child up a mountain to sacrifice him. That takes planning. That takes intent and purpose. He lines up his actions as if God is telling the truth. He is faithful. He believes. He trusts. And he lines up his life behind that. Abraham's trajectory is upward and it's onward and it's futuristic and it's very practical. He trusted God and he built his life around it and it allowed him to see things that other people couldn't. What about us, man? What about me and you? Don't go this moment-by-moment shame thing, right? We're not moving in and out of salvation. You're not losing your salvation one moment and getting it the next moment. and da 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 da. Don't get in, in this moment-to-moment kind of shame thing. I want you to think about lifelong. God is proud of his children who have a trajectory of faith that is maturing, that it's upward and onward and based on what he has promised to do in our lives. God's proud of those people. You and I can be those people. Martin Luther, not the civil rights activist, but the reformer, said this, faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. So certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Such confidence and knowledge of God's grace makes you ever joyful and bold in your relationship to God and everyone else. Because of it, you freely, willfully, and joyfully do good to everyone, serve everyone, suffer all kinds of things, never ceasing to love and praise and rejoice in the God who has shown you grace. That is faith. Faith is like a rope. There's so many things, analogies we could use to understand faith. Faith is like a rope. Faith is not believing that the rope will hold me. I believe in the rope. I will sing songs to the rope. I will build an altar to the rope. I will build a building around it, and I'll sing songs to the rope. That's not faith. Faith is I will lean back, and I will let this rope hold me up. You ever been repelling? It's terrifying. Like, I'm not going to do it because I'll die. But you would go here on a a cliff and stand backwards and lean 45 degrees backwards. The only thing holding you is that rope. I can believe in that rope up to that point, but it doesn't matter until I lean back and I let that rope hold up my entire weight. That is faith. Some of us have confused faith with singing songs and telling people about it and devotionally giving ourselves to God. But in our daily lives, we are still massively in control, anxiety rules us, and we're crushed by the events of daily life. That's not faith. Faith is believing and obeying God even when you don't understand what he's doing. Now we can see here in Hebrews that Abraham came to this ridiculous place of faith where he's like, God will raise him from the dead. That's crazy. But he didn't understand what God was doing, even then. Even if that's what he reasoned himself to. He didn't understand, but he was still faithful. Faith is obeying God even when you don't understand what he's doing. Second thing, 
Faith is believing and obeying God even you, when you disagree with what he's doing. Now, there's the hard one. God, I don't get what you're doing, and I don't like what you're doing. Everything in me right now screams, kick back, fight, get out, move, let go, run away. I'll trust you. I don't like it. I disagree with it. But I'm going to hold on to you. That's faith. Most of us don't want to live a life of faith. Not really. We don't really want to live a a life of faith where we trust and we lean back on God. Has this not been exposed over the last four and a half months? We, Christians, we are whining louder than anybody else. We're complaining about everything more than anybody else is. We don't really want a life of faith in this country. We want a life of comfort and ease and a future that we're, you know, we're taken care of with a retirement. That's what we want. And it's all being exposed as just the ugliness that it is right now. We have been pressed hard about these issues over the last five months. With the hardest stuff that, that, that any human being has to face, to be honest. I'm not, we can't make light of it, right? People are dying. People we know are passing away. People we know are going to have probably long-term health effects from this. There has been sickness in our own families. We've had people lose jobs and careers, never going back. Who is going to be the president? Who might be the president? Joblessness, money issues, all of it. And it's pressing us. Who do you trust in? Where's your faith? Do you trust in God? Are you going to lean on him when everything else is truly, truly stripped away? Abraham was trusting, believing, adjusting his life around the impossible provision of God. He was learning a lesson. I don't have time to tell you about this guy, Victor Raymond Edmund, E-D-M-A-N. You should check him out sometime. He wrote, never doubt in the dark what God has said in the light. We're learning that lesson right now, aren't we? Never doubt in the dark what God has said in the light. However much you might laugh in your tent when God says, hey, you're going to have a baby and you're 70 years old. (laughs) Right? Sure, God. When God says, give me the baby, take him up and kill him, do you believe? Will you trust? Will you lean back on God like you never have before? Never doubt in the dark what God has promised in the light. Abraham was trusting in God's provision in crazy ways, the resurrection of his son. You know what he called that place? Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. Amen? That's what he named that place. This is the place where the Lord provides. He doesn't get to Mount Moriah unless it is requiring sacrifice of everything. Do you understand that? That's where faith has to go. To really be people of faith, that's the place we have to go. You consider every possible angle, and it is impossible that this turns out for good. When you hit that place, Will you arrange your life around God's character and his promises? That's faith. Amen? God, I pray that you would make us people of faith. I pray that, God, that you would show us how. Give us this faith to trust you. And then the practical daily courage to just lean back. To lean back hard on the rope of Jesus Christ. On the promises that you've given us about life and provision. 
Father God, that we would be people of faith and that we would come along beside each other and when the, when the road's hard and it's a struggle, Father God, that we would do well to draw alongside of each other and say, hold on, Jesus is still good. God is good. Don't let go. He's going to provide. He's going to show up in some crazy way that you've never expected. Don't let go of him. God, that we would be really good at that because this road is hard. Show us what that kind of faith looks like, God. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here, man. Begin to sign up next week to be with us wherever you're at, whether you're here or online. God bless, and let's be people of, uh, of faith this week, amen. Y'all have a great week. Yes. Hey, listen, guys, we're going to do this, too, and this is going to be the kind of the, the mode, mod, modus operandi we need to do for the weeks to come. Uh, the two things that are going to cause us to close our doors are the government chaining the door or we become a hot spot. Like, it's spreading in our church, in this room. So to avoid those two things so we can continue to have worship, can't control what the government does, we need to kind of exit the room so that we don't just chit-chat in here and become a hot spot. I know that's a bummer because I want to hang out with y'all, too. But the second service, we got to kind of leave the room, okay? Love you guys. Great to see you. And we'll do this for the next several months probably. <laughs> I love you guys.